Support for I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere comes from MX Publishing. With the largest catalog of new Sherlock Holmes books in the world, new novels, biographies, graphic novels, and short story collections about Sherlock Holmes. Find them at mxpublishing.com. And by the Wessex Press, the premier publisher of books about Sherlock Holmes and his world. Find them online at wessexpress.com. And from listeners like you, who support us through Patreon. Bonus material, thank you gifts, and more await at patreon.com slash I Hear of Sherlock. I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, episode 244, The Finest Assorted Collection. I hear of Sherlock everywhere since you became astronomer. In a world where it's always 1895, comes I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, a podcast for devotees of Mr. Sherlock Holmes, the world's first unofficial consulting detective. I've heard of you before. You're Holmes the meddler, Holmes the busybody, Holmes the Scotland Yard champion office. <laughs> the game's afoot as we discuss goings-on in the world of Sherlock Holmes enthusiasts, the bigger streeter regulars, and popular culture related to the great detective. As we go to press, sensational developments have been reported. So join your hosts, Scott Monty and Bert Walder, as they talk about what's new in the world of Sherlock Holmes. You couldn't have come at a better time! Hello there, everyone. Welcome once again to I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, the world's first Sherlock Holmes post. <laughs> Let's try this again. It's easy for you to say. That's who you think. Well, hello there, and welcome once again to I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, the first podcast for Sherlock Holmes devotees where it's always 1895. I'm Scott Monty. I'm Bert Walder. And Bert, have you collected yourself? I have, and boy, that was difficult. You know, I'm scattered all over the room. <laughs> well, you are you are a rare assemblage, my friend. You are highly curated. I am highly curated. And you know, I took a precaution, too. I also bought the Bert Walder paperback edition as a reading copy, and that hasn't helped me. Well, that's an excellent idea. I hope you're not too dog-eared. That's all oh. I can say. Oh, I love them, though. Well, we have a fun episode uh, to, to uh, bring to you this time around. We have a couple of individuals who have joined us, co-editors of The Finest Assorted Collection, uh, one of the latest publications from Wessex Press and Gasogene Books. So stay tuned for that. They're a lot of fun, and uh, I think the conversation is going to be a lot of fun and illuminating. Meanwhile, if you would like the show notes for this episode, they are available at iHost.co slash iHost244, all lowercase. That'll bring you directly to the show notes section. And that will, in turn, give you links to anything we happen to mention in the show, whether it's the book, uh, authors, websites, um, previous episodes, anything that we think is relevant for you to learn more about what we're talking about, we put it in the show notes just for you. You can check it out on the website or right in the podcast player that you're looking at right now. And please make sure you are signed up to get updates, whether you subscribe to us on a podcast player or you are part of our email community on I Hear of Sherlock 
com. We'll send you out updates whenever stuff comes up, whenever we have news to break, whenever we have interesting essays and other things to share from the site. We do appreciate you being part of that. And of course, there is the ability to support the show as well via Patreon for as little as $1 an episode. Um, and if you are a patron, uh, fantastic. That means there are varying levels of thank you gifts for you. And this isn't just for patrons. This is for everyone who listens. After the interview, we have a fun little quiz that we call Canonical Couplets, where we give you two lines of poetry and we ask you to guess which Sherlock Holmes story we're talking about. Let's see if you can battle wits with Burt Wolder. Um, not always a difficult thing in this circumstance, as you will hear. Um, but if you uh, do submit a correct answer and we choose your name at random, then you get to win a prize. And in this case, the prize is a copy of The Finest assorted collection. Well, not satisfied with having one guest on this show, we in fact have two. We have Rob Nunn, who has been with us before. He is the Gasogene of the Parallel Case of St. Louis and author of The Criminal Mastermind of Baker Street and The Commonplace Book. His writings have appeared in the Baker Street Journal, the Serpentine Muse, Canadian Homes, and the Sherlock Holmes Journal. He's also the recipient of the Beacon Award for his annual Sherlock Holmes unit that he teaches to fifth grade students. Rob lives in Edwardsville, Illinois with his wife and daughter and his thoughts on Sherlockiana and interviews with other Sherlockians. And those can be found on his blog, Interesting Though Elementary. We also are pleased to welcome Peter Eckrich, who's been a Sherlockian his whole life, thanks to his father, Joe Eckrich. When he's not reading, he's a fifth grade teacher at Edgar Road Elementary in Webster Groves, Missouri. He also spends time with his wife, Jenny, and daughter, Harper, who is eight. He's been published in the Sherlock Holmes Review, and he attended his first BSI dinner this past January. And he lives in Fenton, Missouri. Rob and Peter, welcome to I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere. It's great to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Well, Rob, we've had you on the show before, so you know we'll just pass over you. But Peter, why don't you tell us how you first came to meet Sherlock Holmes? Well, I've known Sherlock Holmes probably since I was born. My father is Joe Eckridge, and he has been a Sherlockian, well, my whole life and some before that. So you've been surrounded by not only Sherlock Holmes, but also Sherlockians in your yes, life, because you, yes. your dad is actively involved and, and all the rest of it. Where, remind us, uh, geographically, where are you? We're in St. Louis, Missouri. All right, so that puts you in the heartland, literally, um, but also kind of in the heartland of Sherlockians. You've got a, a, a group down that way, right? Yes, uh, Rob currently runs that group. My father started it uh, some years back, and... Rob's done an excellent job taking over. Oh, well. Joe finally got a, somebody else to take his job because Peter wouldn't. <laughs> well, see, he grew up around it and knew exactly all of the pitfalls around it. That's right. He was smarter than me. So you're the sucker. Got it. Uh, so, Rob, how did you and Peter get acquainted? Through, uh, through his dad, Joe. Um, yeah, um, I've known Joe for a while, and 
uh, he said, hey, my, my son's kind of into Sherlockians and, and, and reading the books and everything. I'm trying to get him back into the habit. Will you help uh, brainwash, I mean, uh, bring him back in with the rest of us? And we went out to lunch a couple times and I've known Peter for a couple years now. And Peter came to me with, he's Peter. Peter is the consummate idea man. In fact, he had an idea a while back that we should record a podcast about Sherlock Holmes. I said, well, there's already one out there. But uh, yeah, which, Peter's which, always Which one is it? I'm, I'm interested to see if we can listen to it. Uh, what is it? Uh, I hear of Sherlock somewhere. Mm, I hoss. It sounds... <laughs> No, no, IHOS is about Dan Blocker. I was going to say that's yeah, that's that's the phone that they used on Bonanza, the IHOS. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we are dating ourselves in this case. Well, hey, we're not here to talk about Bonanza or uh, the the wonderful beginnings of Sherlock Holmes. We want to talk about the finest assorted collection. Uh, this book that is a collection of essays on collecting Sherlock Holmes. It's not ironic. You've got a collection of essays about collecting. Uh, whose brainchild was this? How did this come about? This was Peter's idea. Okay, Peter, go. Okay. Uh, Well, you know, since I've grown up around Sherlockians, I've been fascinated with collections. My father is a collector. We, I had an unusual childhood, you know. My father worked for the IRS, and his townhouse was just filled with Sherlock Holmes, so... It was always the ongoing joke, do I tell my friends that my father thinks Sherlock Holmes is real or that he works for the IRS? <laughs> but, God, like you know, it was an unusual choice. childhood. So I remember going on trips with my dad, and he would have a black binder. And in that black binder was everything he was looking for. It had magazines, you know, anything. And every store we stopped at, antique shop, flea market, he would pull that out. And he was always looking for something. So I grew up going to bookstores, used bookstores in every city we visited, antique shops, secondhand stores, everything, always looking for Sherlock Holmes. And meeting fellow Sherlockians and finding that, hey, you know, all these people, well, most of them, I should say, collect, but they don't all collect the same thing. Some people collect first editions. Other people collect Christmas ornaments or... Uh, toys, you know, or Queen Elizabeth's uh, underwear. I don't know, something. (laughs) But so I was fascinated with this and I approached uh, Steve Doyle. I said, you know, I have this crazy idea about a book on this. And he said, that's a great idea. So I knew that I was going to need some professional help. And there came Rob. Rob is my professional help. Well, I, th- I think that's an it's not an uncommon discovery in the Sherlockian world. I think many of us find along the the way that we do need professional help. Um, <laughs> you're fortunate <laughs> you're fortunate to have someone who can help you professionally in the uh, in the writing of a book because Rob has had that experience before. And uh, for those of you who uh, have not uh, heard Rob on I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere before. Rob was with us to talk about his book, The Criminal Mastermind of Baker Street, which, my goodness, that was like episode 141, something yeah, along those lines? Was, uh, way back. It came out in 2017. 142, yeah. Yeah. 
142 in season 12. We'll have a link to that in the show notes so you can check out Rob's earlier books and judge him by uh, that as well. Um, but Rob, when you when you heard about this project from Pete, uh, from from Peter in terms of collecting and collectors and all that, uh, where did your head go initially? Uh, like ten steps ahead of where we needed to be, it was already like, oh, I can talk to this person about this and this person about this because uh, for me, I, I really just find Sherlockians themselves to be the most interesting part of this hobby that we do. You know, I, I love the stories and I love picking up, you know, my own small knickknacks here and there, but being around other people and just listening to them talk about their passion or their interest is what I found interesting. And when Peter was saying, you know, there's got to be somebody out there that collects Sherlockian coins, I thought, well, yeah, Greg does that. So, like, <laughs> he was already kind of, he had the idea and I had the the names so we we meshed pretty well in the early stages with this and we continued to mesh well but i was i was really excited to start connecting people with the project mm. Mm. how did you how did you identify that universe of of people because we should tell our listeners one of the nice one of the many nice things about this book is the contributors you've got um you know just a very wide group of people in the united states but also outside the united states who collect uh, with great variety? Are these were these all people that you had both known and spoken to before the book began, or did you go out and pursue some people when you heard of their collections? I knew of you know a handful of you know friends of mine that that I I knew of this and uh, Peter and through his dad Joe knew certain people. Joe's in the book because he collects autographs as well. Um, so we had a core that we wanted to start from. But then we thought, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So we kind of threw some things out on different social media platforms. You know, does anybody collect anything specific to Sherlockiana other than books? Because we all have pretty good collections of books. And we came across a, a few people through that way and some things that I don't think we ever would have even thought about. Um, Lee Van, who's in ours, uh, talks about how she collects um, LGBT, LGBT plus a specific Sherlockiana and we thought yeah there was probably something there but we wouldn't have even known where to look and she came forward and was just like hey this is my thing and lo and behold she fit right in so a lot of things we knew or we kind of asked around like are there any Sherlockians that collect you know pipes and things like that and we we found some <laughs> names <laughs> um, but then other people came forward they're like hey this is my thing that I'm really into and we were happy to include them with that mm. yeah it's very you know, uh, interesting. Sherlockians as a whole are very friendly people and they're happy to talk about their passion, as you guys I'm sure know. And so, you know, peop Sherlockians that we would talk to would put us in touch with other Sherlockians. And we also wanted a wide variety. One of the things that Rob and I really agreed on about this book was that we didn't want, you know, a bunch of essays about the same thing. And we also wanted some essays for people who are collectors, but in a different way, such as Monica's essay, she collects experiences. Um, <laughs> to give people something to think about. It's fascinating. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about that. I'm, you know, I'm interested in 
uh, you know, some of these different angles to collecting? Because I think, as, as you say, Rob, uh, we, we all kind of grow up in the world of Sherlockians, knowing how to collect books or knowing that we do like books and we have our own libraries or collections, etc. Uh, but then, of course, it's, it's very natural to think about the next step of collecting, which is tchotchkes, uh, you know, Sherlockian coins, Sherlockian teddy bears, uh, you know, Sherlockian Russian nesting dolls. Um, but then there's these more uh, eclectic ones, just like you said with Monica there, collecting experiences. Uh, talk a little bit about Sherlockians and their non-traditional collecting sensibilities. Um, I think there's a new wave of collector coming out. There's definitely the digital collector. Um, Tim Johnson's in here, and, and I mean, he probably has access to the largest collection in the whole book with him running the University of Minnesota collection. But he talks about the importance of collecting all the digital things that aren't hard hard copied. Um, and then Amanda Downs is in here as well, where she also talks about if she sees a, 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 a Sherlockian piece of art that she likes, if she can, she'll buy a copy of it from the artist. But if not, she'll just save it save a, you know, a screenshot of it to her hard drive, which when you think of Sherlockian art collecting, you probably think of Jerry Margolin, but Amanda Downs does the same thing, just in a, a newer medium. Now that's interesting because I think what that does is it bumps up against another trend that we've seen in the past, well, couple of years or so, but it certainly took off, uh, I think, in 2021 into 2022 and that's nfts or non-fungible tokens uh these then and a lot of times it, it is translated as digital artwork uh, the bored ape yacht club for example is probably one of the most widely known uh, nft organizations out there um do you sense that amanda and her uh, you know, even even her digital screenshot collections. You think that's going to kind of morph over into uh, Web three, the metaverse, NFTs, etc. Ah, uh, man, I'll tell you what. The older I get, the more luddite I turn into. So I understood about two thirds of what you just said. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, well, you, you I, know, you're, you're you're about one to one third to one half ahead of where I am, and I don't do math, <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think there's there's some definitely some contributors in here who are forward thinking and at that cutting edge of all kinds of stuff. Um, and, you know, this book came out six months ago and, you know, we sent it to press a little over a year ago. And some of it you're already like, oh, yeah, like this was all written before the COVID shutdowns, <laughs> you know. So um it's, it's amazing how quickly the technology will adapt. And like most things, I, I think absolutely Sherlockians will adapt some much more readily than others. But I think somebody like Amanda who does the digital collections will definitely be, you know, somebody at the front forefront of that type of stuff. Mm. Um, I'm curious about personalities and what you both took away from putting the book together and reading these essays and submissions on, on the one hand, I'm curious, years, some time ago, we had Otto on the show, and we asked Otto, you know, in all of the people that he's dealt with who've collected Sherlock Holmes, what did he find the commonalities to be? What sort of people were they? And he had a very thoughtful answer, and I'm curious about, about 
you know, your, your answer to that. And then, and then I've got a follow-up question, but let me just stop there. Peter, what do you, what, is there anything that comes to your mind? I have found that Sherlockians are just incredibly generous. And as collectors, yes, there's competition in many ways, but there's also a lot of generosity. Um, you know, my my dad had was just up visiting Denny Dobry, and Denny found out that I like Christopher Morley, and he sent some books home with my dad for me. There's just a lot of of that in this hobby. A lot of sharing. People pick up a second copy for someone. Mm. So I find that overall Sherlockians are, are generous. Um, Bert, remind me to tell Denny Dobry that I like $50 bills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will, I will. Well, Rob, what, what do you think about that? Any commonalities or, or thoughts about, about the personalities of collectors? I, I could go on and on about the friendliness of Sherlockians, and you know that pops up quite a bit in our book. Um, I know specifically Christian Mongard, who's over in Europe. In his essay, he talks about how he's got a buddy. They collect together. You know, they compete, but then also want to help each other out. And that goes back to, uh, you know, the John Bennett Shaw quote: "If you have one, brag. If you have two, share." Um, mm -hmm. That definitely comes across. Um, I. So everybody's just been, that was in this book is just overwhelmingly friendly and outgoing, but there's also such a passion for what they're into, you know, whether it's, you know, a specific title or, you know, whatever they're into, they are very focused, but I, I find it interesting. Some people are very detailed. Some people keep just, you know, uh, like Peter said, Joe used to have that black binder of the things he looks for. Some people have very detailed databases. And some people are just like maniacs in a toy store. They just see anything. <laughs> um, Paul Thomas Miller, he's been on here before, right, I think? He has. We talked okay. with him about Doyle's rotary coffin on episode right. 172. And you know what kind of mad genius that guy is. He's got a, a bread wrapper tacked up on a wall as part of his collection because <laughs> Sherlock Gnomes was on it. So... Um, <laughs> the passion is definitely there. It just shows up very differently in each, uh, in each collection. It's, it's interesting. My, my other question that's sort of related to that is, did you encounter anyone who is an accidental collector or a collector who doesn't admit to being a collector even uh. to themselves? And the reason why I ask that is you just mentioned digital. And I never think of myself as a collector. And yet... You know, on my digital files, I have 30 gigabits of, you know, in a homes directory and a whole raft of folders of holiday cards, images, different topics, scion meetings, um, talks, papers, things I've written, things other people have written, marionettes, uh, you know, it's, it's infographics that have been devoted and published about Sherlock Holmes. And I never think of myself as a collector, but whenever I see anything, I, I say, oh, okay, great. I think I'll file that away. So did you ever come across any, any accidental or, or, un, or, or um, uh, unconscious collectors? <laughs> I suppose, yeah, it's me. I'm an unconscious collector. So. I, th I kind of fit into that too. Um, when we first started this project, I told Peter, I was like, you know, maybe I'm not the best person because I don't consider myself a collector. I don't care about condition of the stuff I read. I just, you know, I want the book. 
you know, if it's, you know, like a 10th printing and it's in acceptable condition, as long as I can read the words, I'm happy where other people are like, you know, it's in first, first mint, it's gorgeous, it's lovely. And I think, well, why would anybody pay that much for it? The, the words are all the same on the inside. Um, but <laughs> I have definitely had to come around and admit that I'm a collector, just I'm not a focused collector. Um, so I, I fit into that one. Um, I don't know about the accidental ones. Maybe Peter knows one off the top of his head, though. No, not an accidental one. I mean, I, mean, I have an accidental Sherlock Holmes collection. My father keeps bringing me books down the street. It drives my wife crazy. <laughs> um, she would like the $50 or the $100 bills as well, Scott. But um, Now, is she going to be listening to this, and will she know about the books that your dad sneaks into your house? <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, well, Harper, my daughter, rats him out. He, come, he would come and put Harper on the bus on Fridays for us, and I would come home Friday from work, and sure enough, there's books on the table, some to borrow, some to keep. Um, but, you know, Jenny, Jenny is a... Uh, a well-read person, but she is the kind of person that passes a book on as soon as she finishes it. Got it. So Got she it. doesn't understand the stacks of books that I'm currently looking at in my office. It's yeah, it can be daunting. I get it. Well, but, we're we're gonna take a uh, quick break here to hear from our sponsors, so you folks at home can add to the stacks of your books. We'll be right back after this quick word. The MX Book of New Sherlock Holmes Stories is the world's largest collection of new traditional Sherlock Holmes stories with all author royalties going to the Undershaw School for Children with Learning Disabilities. And as of the end of June 2022, these authors have raised over $100,000 for Undershaw. That donation, which continues to rise, has been gifted from the royalties of all of the stories coming from the MX book of New Sherlock Holmes stories. The deep partnership between Undershaw and MX Publishing has spanned a number of years and has witnessed many changes. Undershaw, of course, was the house built for Arthur Conan Doyle in order to accommodate his wife's health requirements and it's where he lived from, with his family from 1897 to 1907. While he was there, he would have worked on The Return of Sherlock Holmes and The Hound of the Baskervilles. And that continues now with the MX book of new Sherlock Holmes stories, now up to part 23, under the capable editorial guide of David Markham. Congratulations to our friends at MX Publishing on reaching the $100,000 mark in their support of Undershaw. As you continue to show interest in the MX book of new Sherlock Holmes stories, MX Publishing will continue to be able to support Undershaw and all that it offers, those beacons of the future. Check out the MX book of new Sherlock Holmes stories at mxpublishing.com. And we're back talking with Peter Eckrich and Rob Nunn, authors of, or editors, I should say, of The Finest Assorted Collection, uh, which is available now from uh, Wessex Press and Gasogene Books in its second printing, I might add. So, uh, Peter, we were talking with you there about your dad uh, surreptitiously adding to your collection, which I think is a, a wonderful thing. Everyone should have someone like that in their lives. 
Talk to us a little bit about your experience growing up with your dad as a collector, not just with the binders, but specifically with his collection of autographs. What was that like? He's, you know, he uh, would write to people and it actually got me uh, writing to people starting when I was in middle school, which was a great way to work on formal letter writing. But uh, he would always, you know, I thought it was just so neat that uh, someone that was in a movie or a TV show or a play would would take the time to uh, write you back or to send a photo. And so his big thing was... uh, trying to get the actors and the actresses that appeared in different Sherlockian productions. Mm. And it was neat. It was a, it was a really cool thing. And he's collects a lot of different things, but one advice, you know, that he's taught me over the years is don't be that vacuum cleaner collector. Um, because it just gets overwhelming. And yeah. You'll find a lot more, you know, for him, he found a lot more joy when you start limiting his focus. Yeah, makes sense. There, There is a story, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, and I can't remember which celebrity or uh, author it involved, but it was years ago, certainly in the 20th century, maybe even uh, late 19th century, there was a... Uh, a celebrity who made it his policy not to sign autographs and this erstwhile fan who was determined to get his autograph figured out a way to inveigle an autograph from this individual and it was by sending this person a five dollar or ten dollar check because they had to sign it on the back (laughs) so when they received the canceled check back they had the autograph has your, awesome. has your dad idea. ever gone to those lengths to get an autograph? No, he has not gone to, to those lengths. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't put it past him, I'll be honest. <laughs> That's great. That really is fantastic. So, uh, so we've got autographs, we've got coin collecting, we've got art. Um, what other interesting instances of collections did you come across in uh, putting this book together? For me, one of my favorites is Don Hobbs, because if you know Don Hobbs, it's impossible to not read his essay without hearing his voice read it. And, and his, his passion for his collection just jumps right off the page. But when you read the fact that this man collects books in all these languages and he has absolutely no idea what any of the words say on the pages, just that always just tickles me to death. I, I love that. Well, as fate would have it, Rob, I just came from dinner with Don Hobbs, who happens to be here in Michigan. He actually went to go see uh, Sherlock Holmes and the, um, gosh, which play is it? It's the the latest play by uh, David McGregor, um, Sherlock Holmes and the, why am I blanking on it? Uh, Bert, help me out. We interviewed David here recently. We did interview David. The, not the elusive ear. And it's a wonderful not play. The ear with a thousand and, faces. And just like Don, you know, who can't <laughs> read a word of those books that he collects, I can't recall a word of the title. Of I, know, I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, it's the one with um, uh, Nikola Tesla. In oh, the, right, uh, Tesla, the, Tesla. The hero, with, the hero with a thousand faces. 
Well, that was the that wasn't the play. Hang on, I'm I'm vamping here so I can get to the uh, the show notes which I have mislabeled in the. Uh... Oh yeah, right. This was. Uh, yeah, I'm finding now that as I was Sherlock doing Holmes a shortcut, the adventure of the ghost machine. The ghost machine. Yeah, this is the the one that I mislabeled in our uh, in our URL shortener. So my bad. Um, yeah. So I I just uh, sorry. That's a, a a detour around having dinner with Don Hobbs, and Don told me a story because he had this collection of foreign language Sherlock Holmes books. And he boxed them all off and, and, and sent them to uh, a library um, and donated them to uh, one of the, the libraries with the Sherlock Holmes collections. I don't know if it was Minnesota or not. Uh, no, it's in Texas. It's, I think, Southern Methodist University. Okay, that's right. It was SMU. That's right. And he was saying how uh, he had a guest stay over at his house recently. And what Don has done to make sure that the library doesn't completely feel empty is he took photographs of every single section of his shelves and then he printed these photographs out, blew them up, and basically has a replica library uh, of, of just photographs. And his guest went to grab a book off the shelves and <laughs> was greeted with you know his hand just hitting the wall there as he went to grab the picture. So um, th that's a, a brand new kind of collection for Don. And probably just as useful as the one he had before. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> See, Rob, we can add them. If we do a volume two, we can have another essay by Don. There you go. The world needs more essays from Don Hobbs. I can promise you that much. So as you were putting this volume together, um, I would imagine, you know, you had to make some decisions as editors. As, as part of that process, did you come across people whose collections or collecting sensibilities or uh, their, their collecting focus uh, were overlapping in any way? Um, we do. So we talked about Joe Eckrich's um um, his autograph collection, and that's a pretty common collection. We had a few other people reach out to us and say, hey, I collect autographs, and we were like, well, the editor's dad is already in a book doing the same thing, so <laughs> we're going with that. But um, Howard Ostrom, if you're familiar with him, you know he collects names of uh, people who've portrayed Sherlock Holmes on stage and screen and radio and everything, and you know, he's put all these books out over the years. But his collection started from his autograph collection. So, you know, there's, there's some overlay there. Um, you know, once you get into the movies and media stuff, you'll, you'll kind of get some overlap. Um, Ashley Polisek, who's known like, you know, a scholar of Sherlock Holmes and media, her collection was very much just like, I've watched hundreds of these movies, some of them you know, like she had to go to the British Film Institute and get a, a special pass to watch certain movies. So um, her collection isn't like, look at all these DVDs I have. It's, you know, look at all the experiences I've had around these movies. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different overlap with, you know, movie props and seeing movies and actors and, and you know, lobby cards and things like that. Um, but outside of that, I, I don't know if there was that much overlap. Well, that's encouraging. I, I guess, um, you know, there is plenty of room in the world of Sherlock Holmes for any kind of collector. Uh, and, and as you've noted, 
particularly with some of the uh, younger collectors, you know, they've moved away from physical objects, from things, and it, it does move into uh, the ethereal plane, the digital, the experiential, um, you know, the, um, the, the, the things that end up in our memory palace. And, you know, what, what's interesting to me is with Sherlockians like that, the ones that have experiences, with, with things that you can't do a, uh, let's say, an exhibit, right? Like, like Glenn Maranker, uh, you know, just had this marvelous exhibit at the Grolier Club in New York earlier this year. It kicked off in January and went until April. Sherlock Holmes in 221 Objects. We did an episode on that one as well, which you can check out. And, and any of these episodes and people, by the way, that we're mentioning, Howard Ostrom, Glenn Moranker, there, there will be links in the show notes to those folks. Um, but, but what Glenn can do, and, and, and what, Peter, what your dad can do, is physically put together a, um, a, a curated exhibit to show off what it is that they collect. But with people like Monica, who collects experiences, or with Ashley, who collects viewings, the, the, the gene of the collector, which is largely about sharing with other people, sharing the joy, sharing uh, you know, what it is that we've accumulated, um, that expresses itself in a very different way, doesn't it? Very much so. Um, you know, I think what I hope people take away from this, this book is that there's room for everybody in this hobby there's room for every type of collection and every budget and as you point out the experiences that uh some people are collecting you know they they still have a way of sharing that with with everyone mm. the same way that my dad can share a book with me or an autograph with me they still have that way of you know when they talk passionately about it and they show pictures or they talk about the experience. It's it's like you're right there. Just like you're in somebody's library looking over their bookshelf. So how do you think it is that, you know, when when somebody has more of these non-traditional collections, how do those kinds of things get preserved for future generations? How do we in other words, how would we capture Monica's experiences for uh, future Sherlockians? I think that's, you know, you could look forward by looking backward. It's, that's a storytelling thing. You know, her, her stories need to be written down just like, you know, uh, you know uh, Barb, one of the last essays we have in here is Barbara Shaw, John Bennett Shaw's daughter. Like her essay is her story of growing up with John Bennett Shaw. And it's so great that that is in a written form. Just, I mean, because think about it. When we get together, we sit around and we tell the same stories over and over again. But sooner or later, we're not going to be around to tell those stories. So I think it's great to get that stuff written down um, because I, it, it puts it in ink or in stone or, or however you want to think about it. And it's there for future generations. In, in putting the book together, uh, did you uh, come across anybody who collects audio? No. Um, now, we did have a handful of 
you know, ideas that we thought there's got to be somebody that collects this type of stuff. And we, we just didn't come up, like we didn't find anybody that collected teddy bears and we couldn't, surprisingly, we couldn't find anybody that collected Sherlockian stamps. Um, and I think audio was on there at some point. We just never were, there, I know there's got to be people that collect all that stuff, but I just, we just never connected with anybody for that. Maybe uh, one of our seven listeners uh, is in that crowd. <laughs> well, I'm sure Bert Cools, you know, would probably qualify as one of those. And Scott and I are probably, you know, I think with Bert Cools and Scott and I, you've got probably a good start because we've got a lot of Sherlockian audio. <laughs> what I'm hearing it's, is a verbal contribution or a verbal contract that you two want to be part of the next volume. Yeah. And Scott, you said seven listeners. It's really five because Rob and I are already on here. Oh, okay. Perfect. Perfect. I'm still going to listen to this episode. <laughs> I'm sharing it with all my friends. Uh, well, you know, the collection of outtakes I have, uh, thanks to uh, Bert and uh, my bloopers, um, oh. it's pretty extensive. That's good. No. But... So, um, what, what's what's next up for for the two of you? I mean, do you see yourselves collaborating on something else in the future? We are. Um, we I, I loved working with Peter. Peter, like I said, Peter's a great idea guy, and I'm good at fixing people's commas. So it was a, it was a nice uh, compare and contrast there. Um, we are in the early stages of our next project. It won't be nearly as big as this one. In fact, um, the publishers are like, oh you have 27 chapters in this book that is bigger than what we normally publish so they told us to make it smaller um and you know hopefully this one has uh gets enough interest because like we said there's plenty of things that we didn't get to and plus now we know that uh, scott and bert want to write about their audio collections so <laughs> maybe maybe down the road there's a second volume of this I would work with Rob again in a heartbeat. And we are. We are working on, on another book, but I would continue to work with Rob. Uh, he's a great guy to work with. That's excellent. Excellent to hear. Well, if it's anything like what you've put out here in the finest assorted collection, essays on collecting Sherlock Holmes, I think we will all be the better for it. So, uh, Peter Eckrich, Rob Nunn, thank you for putting this collection of collections together and thank you for telling us about it here on i hear of sherlock everywhere thanks so much for having us yes thank you you know one of the things that i hope this discussion does is it it makes people feel that they're less alone in their collecting mm. mania, you know, when they find out these, these stories and examples of what's going on with, uh, with other people. I like the way you think uh, about that, Bert, because the wonderful thing about collecting is, you know, if you have the collecting gene, and it, it largely is genetic, I, I don't think it's a nature versus nurture thing. Either you have it or you don't. Um, then whatever suits your fancy will be part of your collection. And when we're, when we're younger, you know, sometimes it's things like rocks or bottle caps or matchbooks or other things that children uh, might come upon. And I think only as we, as we grow and as we interact with other like-minded people do we see how to uh, perhaps fine-tune our own collection, to expand our own collections, uh, and to 
uh, assemble them and share them in a way that other people can appreciate. So it's a it's a wonderful uh, kind of full team sport, if uh, if you can consider it that. One of the great Sherlockian periodicals is back, the 2021 Sherlock Holmes Review, edited by Steve Doyle, art direction by Mark Gagan, with all new contributions from Nicholas Meyer, Robert Doherty, Frank Cho, Anne-Margaret Lewis, Steve Hawkinsmith, Les Klinger, Jimmy Aiken, and more. 118 pages about Sherlock Holmes. The illustrators, community, collecting, comics, reviews, film and TV, scholarship, including new artwork, Irene Adler drawn by the inimitable Frank Cho. It looks like a book and reads like a magazine. It's the Sherlock Holmes Review. Get your first edition copy of this essential 2021 Sherlockian annual, the all-new Sherlock Holmes Review at wessexpress.com. Everyone knows what time it is. All right, that's everybody's favorite song for your Sherlockian quiz program. That's right, it's Canonical Couplets, where we bring you two lines of poetry, and we ask you to discern what the heck it is we're talking about. Now, if you were around here in episode 243, you heard us give this clue. A victim dead before he fell. A singularity, a quarrel in the morning room, but where to find the key? Bert, (laughs) do you know which story it is that we're referring to? Yes, I do. Of course I do. Absolutely. Mm. It's the case of a can of bargain automobile polish lost by Watson. That's the story called The Disappearance of Shady Chance's Car Wax. Not quite, not quite. Um, I wish I had a uh, a sound effect here that was a groan, because I think that's what we're coming up on. Um, no, unfortunately, you do not get credit for that. You do not even get a year's supply of turtle wax. Um, we were looking for, uh, gosh, the crooked man. The crooked man, right? I think the clue there was the morning room and the missing key. What am uh, I going to tell my dull turtle? Well, uh, uh, chins up, I guess. Um, It's just a shell game. Uh, All right, let's uh, let's bring out the uh, the prize wheel. We'll roll it out here, and we'll give it a big spin. Watching it go around. Uh, Quite a few entries this time, so it's going to land on number. 41, lucky 41, and that goes to, oh, Kelly Hodges. (laughs) Kelly, congratulations. We will be sending you a copy of Stephen Browning's On the Trail of Sherlock Holmes, which was the subject of episode 243, so we hope you will have an opportunity to enjoy that at your leisure. And now... Let's try our hand at this episode's canonical couplet. Here we go. 
A friendly sojourn in the park quite nearly costs a case. The restless client stamped about. Should he not hop in place? If you know the answer to this canonical couplet, put it in an email addressed to comment that I hear of Sherlock.com with canonical couplet in the subject line. If you are among all of the correct answers and we choose your name at random, you'll win. Good luck. And of course, as we said at the top of the show, the winner of this canonical couplet quiz will in fact get a copy of of uh, the finest assorted collection by Rob Nunn and Peter Eckrich. Excellent. Well, it's uh, the middle of summertime. We've had a busy schedule here. And uh, as a result, we've had a few glitches in production. But we are happy to say we have a number of really interesting episodes coming up, both in the can and in the plan. So check it out. Uh, Maybe we'll give you a golden Anne. For those of you who remember that bit from Sesame Street, that's that's after your time, I think, Bert. Um, My grandmother told me about <laughs> Sesame Street. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, take the golden Ann, put it in a tan van, and make sure it goes to Dan. You know, it's amazing how these life lessons stay with you, isn't it? It's just uh, it is. very Im- impressive. Well, next week on the show, or next episode on the show, maybe we'll invite the Count in. We'll really have uh, some fun. Well, uh, I suppose we can kind of uh, keep waxing poetic here about Sesame Street, but that doesn't really do our Sherlock Holmes fans any good, unless, unless we, of course, talk about Sherlock Hemlock, and that's the only way to tie it back to Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I like that. Yeah, very yeah. good. Um, and you know what? Just because I mentioned that and I happen to be in a Sesame Street frame of mind, I will have a link to uh, an article we did on Sherlock Hemlock on IHearOfSherlock.com. Uh, I'll include that in the show notes just as a little bit of a bonus there. You're so, a generous and uh, thoughtful person. Well, you know, I mean, I, I try, but uh, I'm not always so full of gifts. <laughs> well... In the meantime, uh, this is the otherwise full Scott Monty. And I'm the particularly parched Bert Wolder. <laughs> and in the meantime, we say... The, the Game's Afoot! <laughs> the, the Game's Afoot! I'm afraid that in the pleasure of this conversation, I'm neglecting business of importance, which awaits me elsewhere. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to join us again for the next episode of I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere, the first podcast dedicated to Sherlock Holmes. Goodbye, and good luck, and believe me to be my dear fellow. Very sincerely yours, Sherlock Holmes.